today's episode is all about the final years of foreign policy in Henry VIII's reign. Between 1540 and 1547, Henry has a bit of a midlife crisis, and he follows a very similar foreign policy to the early years of his reign. The main objective being to conquer France. During this time, he spent about £2 million on war. That was the equivalent of about 10 years' income for the crown. Henry achieved essentially nothing in this time, and he missed more opportunities to conquer Scotland. Now you might be wondering why there is this sudden shift in foreign policy. The answer is simple. Catherine of Aragon's death in 1536, combined with Henry and Charles V's mutual dislike of France, led to improved relations between Charles V and Henry. Charles is less concerned with the religious changes because after Cromwell's execution in 1540, Henry essentially reverts back to Catholicism with some adjustments. Henry was also eager for an alliance as he was concerned about the Franco-Scottish relations. James V of Scotland had married Mary Guise, a member of the French royal family. Remember, a strong Franco-Scottish alliance is a problem for England because the French could potentially use Scotland as a springboard to launch an invasion into England. We're going to look first at Henry's policy towards Scotland. That is so, when we come to look at Henry's policy towards France, we can analyse the spectacular failure of the policy. In 1541, James V of Scotland was supposed to meet Henry in York, but he doesn't show. Henry is a really proud man, and he definitely took this as a slight against him personally. Henry and James's relationship was already difficult as James had maintained the Franco-Scottish alliance throughout the 1530s. This is when England was under threat of invasion from both France and the Holy Roman Emperor. James had also sheltered some of the rebels who fled to Scotland after the Pilgrimage of Grace failed. So all in all, this adds up to not a great relationship between James and Henry. Remember, Henry is James's uncle. So he would have felt James should have been loyal to him and should have shown him more respect than he did. In 1542, the Anglo-Imperial Alliance was signed. In response to this, Scotland raided the borderlands between England and Scotland. This led Henry to sending the Duke of Norfolk and a huge army north to Scotland. This was a success for Henry. The Scots were defeated at the Battle of Solway Moss, the biggest victory for England in a battle since the Battle of Flodden in 1513. Ten days after the battle, James V dies. It's said that he heard about the defeat and was so shocked that he died. More importantly, this left James's daughter, Mary Queen of Scots, as the new Queen of Scotland. Now, Mary Queen of Scots has two problems. First of all, she's a woman. And in those times, women were seen as way too weak to rule. But also, she was just one week old. This puts Henry in a similar position to 1513, after the Battle of Flodden, where James IV is killed. And guess what? Henry doesn't learn a thing from his mistakes. 
instead of pressing Harry's advantage and conquering Scotland for himself, he proposes a marriage between Mary, Queen of Scots, and his son, Edward. This leads to the Treaty of Greenwich in 1543. Edward and Mary, Queen of Scots were formally betrothed. Of course, Mary, Queen of Scots being just a week old, and Edward being just six, they weren't married, but an agreement was made that they would be married when they were both old enough. Henry requested that Mary, Queen of Scots, be sent to England to be raised. The Scots refused this. They didn't trust Henry with her. Now, this wasn't because they believed Henry would kill her or anything. But the Scots didn't want Mary growing up as an English princess. They thought this would lead to her ignoring Scottish interests when she came of age. Historians have called this policy of pushing a marriage between Edward and Mary, Queen of Scots, rough wooing. Henry wasn't prepared to go to war with Scotland, as his focus was France, but he needed to ensure they were sufficiently weak in order to not be able to support the French. Of course, the Scottish Parliament rejected the Treaty of Greenwich, and the Earl of Arran, who was regent for Mary, abandoned the treaty. Instead, Mary was sent to France and promised to the Dauphin of France. Dauphin just means Prince of France. Henry had once again failed to take advantage of a child on the throne in Scotland. In 1542, he was in a commanding position, and by 1543, he had let that slip through his fingers. This failure highlights how little Henry valued defeating the Scots. For the second time in his reign, he had failed to conquer Scotland, which had never been so weak. This was because Henry's focus was on France. It had always been Henry's dream to reconquer France and follow in the footsteps of Henry V, the great warrior king of the past. To this end, Henry himself headed an army to France in 1544. Now, by 1544, Henry's health isn't in the best of conditions. He has gained a considerable amount of weight. He has ulcers on his legs, which leak pus regularly and have to be covered. And he even has trouble walking. Despite these concerns, though, Henry goes to France. While in France, Henry has some small successes as he tried to recapture his youth. He captures the city of Bologna, although this is largely symbolic. From then on, the problems start for Henry. Charles V and Francis make peace in 1544. Francis then sends soldiers to Scotland, leading to real fears of a possible Franco-Scottish invasion of England. England are then defeated at the Battle of Ancrum Moor in 1545, and the French even invade the Isle of Wight in July 1545. During this time, Henry VIII's flagship, the Mary Rose, was sunk. So after an initial small success in capturing Bologna, things went quickly downhill for Henry. With the price of war proving too high for either side, peace was made in 1546. All of the money Henry had gained from dissolving the monasteries was gone. He had been forced to borrow large sums of money, putting the crown in debt. He had also debased the coinage. This means he reduced the amount of gold or silver being put into each individual coin. 
meaning he could make more of them, but they were worthless. The crown was crippled by these debts, and they have a lasting impact all the way through the reign of Edward VI and Mary I. In the peace agreement between England and France, Henry was allowed to keep Bologna, although he couldn't afford to keep it. And the French agreed to pay all pensions owed to Henry, a small victory. But Henry had failed to conquer France, he had bankrupt the crown, he had failed to take advantage of the situation in Scotland, and he had achieved nothing of note once again. These last few years are devastating for foreign policy, because of the impacts they have economically in the following years. This has led to many historians arguing that there was a mid-Tudor crisis. Whether there was or not is a debate for another day. The point here being that due to a reckless foreign policy, Henry VIII left the crown in a considerably worse financial situation than the one he inherited from his father.